No! But here are some happy bats. Show me the bats. How many bats are there? Yeah, very good. Welcome everybody to episode 31 of Room of Requirement. Our podcast dedicated to resilience and reason in the time of Trump. Uh, this is Miracle Jones and uh, uh, I'm Kamalesh Rao. And with us, we actually have a couple of guests. Do you guys want to... We, we're actually the guests. We're the guests. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yes, yeah. we're the guests and people who have decided to put us put up with us for yeah. maybe another hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, do you guys want to introduce yourselves? Sure. What should we say? Just tell us your name. Hi, I'm Hami Vu. And? And I am William Bouch. Although people call me Beaver. But that's a whole other <laughs> conversation about social handicaps and bullying and <laughs> and being white in America. It's just... It's, 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 a, it's a real burden. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> white man burdens. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, you guys are actually uh, residents of Jackson Heights as well, right? So we... Uh, and we are being hosted in your house. I actually met William at a keto class, which is something I talk about yeah, yeah, not yeah, infrequently yeah. on this So class. he really goes to a keto class, then? He does. Yeah, he does. all right. <laughs> we're, we're, we have one person willing to lie for you. Any dollars under the table. All right. Um, so I met William at a keto class, and then um, we started talking, and he had a podcast for a while. But he's also an excellent, I guess... Amateur sound engineer, an actual musician, and a sound editor, right? And one of the things that drives me semi-insane about this podcast is the sound quality. Glad to have you here. Yeah, and you brought some treats, so you win. <laughs> yeah, we try. Um, so we like to start the podcast with checking in and see how each other is doing. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, but let's, let's go to... So last year, right, this selection happened, right? This... How could we forget? Horrifying election. Did you did you ex- did you expect that Trump would win? I guess I was naive enough to not expect yeah. that. Yeah, I fully expected on November eighth that Hillary Clinton would win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One hundred percent. And and so when she didn't, when we woke up on the next day and she was definitely our president how did how did that feel what did how did you take it i literally cried yeah i cried with some of my colleagues i it was just devastating and it was unreal and it felt very scary as a woman of color as a mother of a young child um Yeah, it was just unfathomable, and it didn't feel real, but it felt really scary at the same time. I yeah, know that even makes sense. No. Yeah, we had my sister on uh, about four or five episodes ago, and yeah. she said really something really, really similar. She's in uh, North I'm Carolina. Watch, I'm going to watch one more Artie and then go straight to bed. Okay, baby. <laughs> I love you. I'll come in soon. Okay. We may or may not edit that out. No, that's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, my sister was saying almost the exact same thing, definitely. Like, it was, she felt really vulnerable. She cried afterwards. Um, what felt different about it, though? What was, like, the, the thing that made it so much harder to take? As opposed to any other election. What do you think it was particular about, say, Trump? In many ways, it was traumatic to think about the fact that almost half of the voters, almost half, not half, not more than half, of the voters in this country thought that his behaviors, his line of thinking, his racism, misogynistic viewpoint, his just grossness was palatable and that people were more willing to vote for someone who stands for their point of view and would champion their point of view rather than a person of substance or morality or dignity or even intelligent. 
and that was disappointing. And then when I started looking at who actually voted for him, the fact that, you know, majority of white women voted for Trump, like, it was just, like, it was unfathomable to me, unfathomable to me that so many women, and then again, particularly white women, would vote for this person. Were you, uh, were you a fan of Hillary Clinton before this, or uh, were you a supporter of Hillary Clinton? Like, if there had been another, say, another Democrat in the party, would, like within the Democratic primary, not that, not necessarily this one, would you have supported her enthusiastically, or were you? No, I mean, I supported Barack Obama yeah. in 2008 in the primary. Yeah. I supported Bernie Sanders yeah. in the 2016 primary. But, you know, she was still head and shoulders a better candidate to me. And that's what was disturbing, that she was a person of accomplishment of a track record of actual intelligence and ability to make sense of things and make an argument and form coherent sentences versus this other person who was <laughs> other. not. Yeah. <laughs> it's just other thing, yeah. whatever the opposite right. of that. Um, so what did you do? This is the question we always ask people, like, what did you do to cope after okay. the election? Like, what? Did, so you got through it, right, at some points. What did you do? Uh, what did you guys do? I, you guys are married. You have a yeah, kid. Yeah. Obviously, that that gives some sort of structure. But uh, was it harder? Do you think it was easier? Because it's a new kind of fear, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah. It is. You know, honestly, um, this is weird, but oh, maybe not weird. But actually, I think we started. We've been toying with the idea of moving out of Jackson Heights and out of New York City for a while. And I actually think that after the election it got a little bit more real for us this desire to get out and part of it is just well especially since he's been on like a twitter war with like nuclear weapon holders and making what i feel to be like an impending nuclear warfare potentially actually happening and the fact that we're in new york city which I mean, just based on the last two bombings from the last two weeks, or potential alleged bombings in the last couple of weeks, it just, it, it made it more real to me how New York City is more of a threat than ever. Um, and I know that I've had conversations with friends about, like, what's our escape plan? Like, how do we get out of New York City? How do we get out of our neighborhood if something does happen? Uh-huh. So I think we've had those conversations, and then, like, I think the plans became really more crystallized for us that maybe we move somewhere that is not as much of a potential direct threat. And you guys are actually moving, right? You guys, uh, what William told me that you guys are actually uh, got a new place, right? You you have yeah. you have an actual escape plan which you are following through on. <laughs> Uh, yes. Sometime in the next year, right? Do you not in want the to next tell America where you're going to? <laughs> yeah. let's, let's not in case some other people. No, uh, we're not moving that far away. Yeah. But we're. I will be honest. A part of the impetus for moving, aside from like the need for more space, yeah. um, is to not be somewhere where I feel is dangerous. So where are you guys? Where are you guys moving to? Outside Philadelphia. Okay. Yeah. That's great for for changing Philadelphia over, right? <laughs> it's good. Well, two more, two more, two more blue votes in Philadelphia. <laughs> While well, we're moving to the suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, but no, it's still blue. From yeah. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania I, right? There's really in Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that would be great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and you guys, actually, one of the things about you guys is that you both lived in Queens for a long time, yeah. And you, William, you were in. Jackson Heights for what, fifteen years? Two thousand two. Yeah, yeah, fifteen years. Where'd you come from? Just uh, originally from Newtown, Connecticut. Okay. Um, and then school in Ohio. I lived in Boston for a year. Kind of came to New York after that, and um, and started in Queens, and then was on the Upper West Side, and then wound up here. 
Um, but to answer the original question of coping with Trump, Aikido. Aikido, <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's how it's been for you, yeah. Well, with a nickname like Beaver, yeah. I mean, no one ever picked on me or ever <laughs> bullied me. That just never... <clears throat> well, it might have happened a couple, two, three hundred times. But, uh, but yeah, having a bully elected to president just made me say... I need to do something with this anxiety and now I have like a little girl and you know if I run away from the bully as was my pattern as a young person um, I guess I'll be leaving her behind that's probably, <laughs> probably that's frowned behind. upon frowned upon in parenting circles so um, so yes no child left behind so yeah we actually uh, on our first podcast I was just re-listening to it I talked about going to Aikido as, as the election, mm. right after the election, because I wanted, I was like, oh, I need to get back into martial arts. <laughs> yeah. Largely, yeah, for a couple of reasons, but, and so I would also point out that uh, I originally said that I was going back into Aikido, you know, just in case there was like a street fight, I expected the, <laughs> Aikido, not actually good in a street fight. <laughs> not really, it's more of a meditative art than an actual martial <laughs> art. It's completely impractical. Well, for both of you, has it been helping with your, like aggression and stress, I mean, would you say like improves? I think you're much more dedicated to it than I am. I just don't have the time. Yeah, well, it coincided with a shift, an economic right. shift for me, so I had I had nothing but time. I just needed to find a dojo that was meeting during those times. Yeah. So, so once that happened, it's been really, really great. Um, I mean, my bar is like, I would I want to feel like I could win a fight with like a really drunk person who doesn't know how to fight very well. It's like the most person you're like the person you're most likely to fight, right? That is true too. Yeah. That's that's how high my bo- my bar is set. Like just someone who's barely able to stand but is being <laughs> aggressive. And then in that magic moment, they grab my wrist <laughs> and give me several seconds to think about how I'm going to move them to a new position. Well, speaking of that as another strategy, I've also gotten, I I started doing kickboxing before the election, but I definitely have been, I've definitely amped up, like, how many times a week I do it, for example, the intensity. So I'm not actually afraid of someone actually physically attacking me. But <laughs> you have warrior blood. I, 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 yeah, I can be aggressive. Yeah, you, you're, yeah. you're a child of warriors. Yeah, <laughs> grandchild of warriors. Terrifying. Listen, oh. <laughs> I do listen. <laughs> well, you, you actually, you, did you grow up in, in Forest Hills? Did you when you? Uh, my family moved to Forest Hills from Hanoi, Vietnam, when I was almost eleven. Okay. Yeah. All right, so you spent, so, uh, from your, uh, I guess, early adolescence on, you were in Forest yeah. Hills or based in Forest yeah. Hills. Um, so both of you are, are longtime Queen residents or have some roots in Queens to some degree, right? Both of us? Yeah. I mean, I guess we're not roots, but, I mean, you've lived here for a long time. You, yeah. Because I'm... Well, do you have any, do you have any, like, love in your heart for Queens or Jackson Heights? I mean, you've lived here, this neighborhood for a long time. As you're leaving it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I have mostly for the cuisine. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be... Yeah. And if you're going to be in Queens, this is the place to be because all the trains come. Yeah. That magic. So, so Jackson Heights is the most amazing yeah. place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and if you want to be around a bunch of different people, like this is the place. Yeah. Do yeah. Do you guys after the Trump election? Did you guys feel it's such a it's a neighborhood that when we were started this podcast, we were talking about how it's in some ways an indictment of the whole Trump agenda, right? It's a bunch of people. Who from all sorts of places that actually get along that aren't like rich elitists. It's just like working class, like Muslims, yeah, yeah. Uh, Latinos, gay people. Yeah, those are like the three really big groups here, and they all kind of get along, right? Like, and they're not like uh, like solidly middle class. I think on my stretch, at least in my world, like the South Asians tend to be actually really poor, um, and but they all kind of like rub shoulders and you know there isn't any like with one irish bar to like, <laughs> unite them and one really mean bartender <laughs> yeah, yeah no I don't, I don't i don't know it's it's uh it's it's unique it's very i mean yeah it is like an indictment of the entire or, yeah, project like, of, of bannon right like, yeah. this is the nightmare of like 
Trump's America, and it's great. Like, yeah, it's fantastic. Like they need to live the nightmare. It's <laughs> well, and you also have like a bunch of white families here too. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, increasingly yeah. they're actually. I feel like I'm noticing yeah. a lot more young white families with young children coming to the neighborhood. And if you go to our playground, I don't know if you, either one of you have children for. We for do which not you have reason to be at the playground. We have no reason Please to be don't. at the playground. You're not allowed not to be there without a child. <laughs> we, we're not there. We are uh, not there. But if you are there, you will notice that like it's incredibly diverse and a lot of multiracial children too. Um, one of the reasons that we love most about Jackson, well, I love most about Jackson Heights, is just like that our daughter could really see herself in like the face of so many other kids on the playground because she is biracial and there are lots of other kids who look a lot like her and that's amazing like it's just a really reassuring experience to witness that constantly have you, have you guys uh had any i don't know having a kid like in this whole has that how's that what's that feel like I guess well, that would be a long conversation for me <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. how long is your podcast <laughs> honestly um, she so Trump's been in office for a year before that's like six months or so of like really intense media attention around him and his candidacy right. candidacy and I and that's about the time that she started to become more she's three and a half now so she was like around two when all of this like pretty much started and that's when she became a lot more verbal and like could really understand and reason a little bit more and i know that i personally have made a very intentional effort to talk about being kind so i am very intentional about like you are kind the thing that mama one of the things that mama is most scared of is when you are not kind and the other thing is like when someone is not kind to you and I talk a lot about being kind, being brave, being strong, and I talk very much about like your personal space and like your private parts. And yeah, she's three and a half, and maybe we don't need to have that conversation yet. But I think like just the environment and the culture around us now made me just feel like I need to equip her with vocabulary and the intentionality around being kind and as a young girl like being strong and being smart and standing up for herself and i think a lot of that has to do with the political climate now that i well i didn't have a child under the obama era but i probably would have felt a little bit less pressure yeah. to do so so yeah because there's like a timeline that doesn't exist where her first president would have been exactly lady, right? yeah. exactly exactly probably this would have happened anyway but i've also been intentional about reading books about race right. and multiculturalism and coexisting amongst other people and recognizing the differences but beauty of all of us and that's really important to me to have that in her and I think I think no no amount of Trump's gonna like you know change that direction in America, right? You know, like I, I, don't, I don't think it's yeah. Possible. So it's interesting that that I really think that the demographics still point to an yeah. idea that we are going to live in a profoundly the way that we think about being multiracial will change because so much of what we assumed was the demographic makeup will just be frankly unrecognizable uh, by the time your daughter is having kids. If she should she have kids, um, so. Like, I think that it's interesting to think about what we assumed the de demographic push would be, that we were going to have a multiracial society where a lot of kids will have mixed parentage mm -hmm. and, and that we actually have to re-question those assumptions, right? Um, I'm not, yeah, I don't know, I don't, I don't have any great conclusions about that, but it's interesting that you would actually feel the need to, like, teach her about something that we sort of, you know, four or five years ago assumed was a done deal and was, like, something... Uh, a fight we had already won, or something that we would just end up on the right side of history easily without effort. Yeah. Right, like we're not actually post-racial, <laughs> and uh, we're not post-homosexuality, and we're not post, like misogynistic. Yeah. Behaviors and culture. 
Yeah, I think for me that was the biggest uh, blow of Trump getting elected. Was just I remember how much like how much fighting we had to do during the Bush administration, how like exhausting it was, and like Obama getting elected was just like this release of like, oh, all right, well, yes. the, 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 this is crazy. It's, it's, we did it. It's over. It's like, I mean, at least this part is over. Like now we can talk about taxes or whatever, like healthcare. Yeah. Great. Let's debate about it. But like. Into everything, and now it's just like such a regret, and it's just like I just feel exhausted. It's like we're gonna have to do this again, like and like stronger, like you know what I mean, like and, and still do with taxes and so exactly, and that's like and still do all that stuff again, right, right, right. and possibly nuclear war. It's just like <laughs> it's, it's and education it's a lot. It's a lot. and all sorts yeah. of things. Yeah. But it's been a year, so we've 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 made it one year so far. Yeah. <laughs> Have we? Yeah. What does it mean to make it? <laughs> well, the time passed. I actually time. think I, uh, as a child of immigrants, I actually think that you know survival is actually survival. one of the key yeah. markers of yeah, making yeah, 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 it. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. just having yeah. made sure. it. Yes, just being you know breathing, living. That's actually a marker of success. Let's not let's not uh, let's not downplay the importance of that. It's something. We've lost Diversity Plaza for some reason, but... Yeah. <laughs> we have lost Diversity Plaza. <laughs> Everything else is, is still... <laughs> but, uh, yeah, is there anything... So, as you guys get ready to, to leave the city, is there anything you will particularly miss about about our lovely neighborhood? Indian Buffet. Mm. Which one Which one you guys... Delhi Delhi Heights. Yeah, good call, yeah. good call. That's yeah, the they're the nicest people. Tessa yes. gets, like, yeah. a free little mango lassi every time. Great, yeah. I was hanging out with a friend of mine, a college friend. He's Indian. We and we were, we got we he was dropping me off late, and he was like, "Oh, I'm really in the mood for Indian food," and he hadn't had it for a while. And I was like, "Man, we're in the neighborhood. We can find a place." And we start to walk around, and it's actually not super easy to find like Indian food at like 1 a.m. Even in Jackson oh, Heights, yeah. I would imagine. Not. Yeah, and so, but I was like, "Okay, well, I know Delhi Heights is open." So Delhi Heights, we walk in, and we're like, "It's empty," and I'm like, "Crap." <laughs> So I ask, uh, I forget if we do it in Hindi or whatever. It's like, are you guys open? And they're like, yeah. And they just looked at us like blankly. And they're like, yes, of course we're open. And I'm like, okay, let's just get in. Let's eat. Uh, let's eat, get out of here fast. And so we start to eat and we, we, um, we order our food and we're like, oh, this is pretty good. Um, you know, I wasn't expecting a lot because there isn't like great Indian food in this neighborhood anymore. So okay. we're like, oh, we're eating. We're getting through. And we're like, oh, this is pretty tasty, blah, blah, blah. And then we, and we all of a sudden look around and like there are people in the back setting up. And like setting up to sing, so there's like they set up the speaker. There's like a musician. There's a woman, and we're like, I'm not sure what's going on. And then we continue to eat, and like ten minutes later, the place is packed. And five minutes after that, the people who are setting up are like belting out Hindi songs, and the crowd is wildly singing along. It's not that we got there too late; we got there too early because apparently there's like a two thirty rush of like. I, it's. I mean, they're mostly. I think they're uh, Nepali or like Himalayans, right? So they're not like they're not like Indians, but like yeah, blasting, singing along to these people, like effectively karaokeing uh, Bollywood hits. So, oh my god! Yeah, that is that is Delhi Heights. That's my my story for Delhi Heights. So, so you're not gonna miss this neighborhood. <laughs> no, that is not true. <laughs> that is not true. That is not true at all. Have you, do you think about the neighborhood differently now that you have a kid? Like, it's kind of an aggressive Very, public it neighborhood. Is, yeah. yeah, it is. Like It's a little bit of rough and tumble. It is yeah, rough yeah. and tumble. And, like, yeah, and sh- but it's also, like, really loud. Yeah. Like, yeah. at night, like, for the last couple care? of nights, all the ambulance are wailing. And then we No more it. airplanes, though. That is true. Yeah. I've noticed that. Yeah. But for a while, like yeah. every Saturday morning, yeah, it would be yeah. like we were in the flight zone, yeah. Yeah. every two seconds. Yeah. Um, no, but I will definitely miss this place. And your parents are still in in, in Forest Hills. You'll be yeah. back most of the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Well, they also sure. spend most of their time in the Poconos playing golf now. I see. So. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, it is every immigrant's dream. It is. It is. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yeah. Every, every, every. I think every East Asian immigrant dreams of the that. Like, is really. I mean, golf. the golf part. The golf yeah, part. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. now that geography matters. Right. Yeah. yeah, but like now that they're like senior citizens, they could get like these specific discounts, and they could do it like Wednesday at two o'clock right. for like ten bucks, and they would like. <laughs> that's what they would do. <laughs> And my parents would make all these arguments like, yeah, but it's like so cheap. We have this package. I'm like, 
well, it's still more expensive than not doing it. <laughs> so <laughs> I understand that you're saving money, but it's still like, and not to mention the fact that like golf courses is like the worst thing for the environment. Yeah, they're they're slightly worse. I think landfills are, but yes, golf courses are terrible. Sure. Yeah. Uh, they 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 are worse things. Like yes. Okay, fine. <laughs> like so. It, it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you have any brothers and sisters? I am the oldest. Yeah. I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Are they are they in Queens as well? Or? Uh, my brother is in Long Island City, and my sister is in Philadelphia. Okay, so you'll be closer to her, yeah. And then she will come back here next year to do her residency at Columbia. So oh, then, so another immigrant <laughs> family dream is to have a doctor in your family. Yes, yes, yes. yes. But we had to marry our into. Oh well, <laughs> got one. well then. Exactly. We got one. It's not directly related. Okay. And he's white. Oh, this is yeah. <laughs> so terrible. So terrible. Um, yeah, we had to marry for the doctorship. That's okay. Yeah. That's you could also become a doctor now. No, I don't think I could. I mean, yes, not, not, not like a real doctor. Yes, you can. When I was in elementary school, there was this I want, guy. I want, I want to see, yeah, okay. This guy in my class, he was like one of five. So he was like the oldest of five siblings. And his dad started medical school when we were in sixth grade. Okay, and how old was he? With a wife then? and like... Five children, the oldest being like 10 or 11 or like 12. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean I couldn't. In theory, I don't want to. Well, that's a very different <laughs> thing. But, I mean, you could still do it. You may choose not to. <laughs> yeah, this is on me. This is exactly yes. what my mom is saying. Yes. Like, yes. So why didn't figure I it out. Someday you're going to get your shit together and you're going to be a nice Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I am a disappointment to my family in a lot of ways. <laughs> but you know what? I came out, I came out first, and I'm a male, so there's nothing I can do wrong. <laughs> it is nice to be the, oh, no, it's the, the oldest it's not male. Just nice. it, it's the best. It is the best. Yeah, I, I can't it tell you how like the best. how entitled I am. Oh, my brother has it so good. He has it so good. It is um, not even funny. Yeah, this is a conversation. So, like, uh, I guess. Uh, so I grew up really skinny and like hin- Hindu. And grew like, up, you're you're very skinny. You're really skinny, <laughs> short, hin- like Hindu, uh, in the South. I never ever doubted myself. You know why? Firstborn child. <laughs> <laughs> you so always never got child bullied. Never got bullied. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, I got this, man. I got just just walked around with confidence. You know why? Because firstborn son of the firstborn son of the firstborn son. Yes, they like words for that. It's like a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. Your whole family rests upon you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sucks to be them, but you know. <laughs> That's that their choices. That's the entitlement. Um, you know, we want to talk a little bit about politics, but I actually yeah. wanted one more small topic if we have a couple. So, William, so this is a theme that's actually come up uh, a lot in my week, um, is that how hard it is to make friends after, like, 35. Like, it's just really, really hard, right? Uh, well, I just made friends with you. Yeah. And apparently with you, but... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and... And I'm leaving <laughs> in a month. Well, so I was telling- 2002 to 2017, I've made one friend just in time <laughs> to have to leave. Yeah, I was just telling Miracle this that like I was like, yeah, I made this friend. And I was like, yes, I made a friend. It's not that easy to do. Effing leaving. He's effing leaving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, it's- co- come back. Yeah, right. <laughs> but it's, it's a hard thing to do, and I guess we were just talking about like you don't yeah. feel like your social network is. Uh, you're younger than us, but like you don't feel like your social network is contracting. But like I think it's a really hard thing to do, and I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a solution to that, but it just it's one of those things where you really have to like you have to be um, you have to be a little like a little bit of a hunter. You're like, okay, well this person could be my friend, and you really have to pursue it. I think. At a certain at a certain point, I just feel I think I'm just more rude than other people about this. Like I just like dig people up, or I'll like email them, or I'll just like show up at their houses, or like. That's bad. That last part is probably not a way to win friends. I mean, I people. mean, not like not people that I know, like yeah. who are already my friends, and they're like I know they're just like holding up or whatever, and just like oh, that's fair. I'll just be like, what's up? Let's hang out, and it's like it requires it requires like a lot of like lack of social grace like, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just like such a like sponge of human energy that I, need to, like, I have to like find people and be like hang out with me please like I'm so 
needy. But yeah, so that, for me, I, I don't really. Yeah, yeah, that's how. That's why. That's why I remain friends with so many people. But uh, it is difficult. I think after college is just. College is great because you know you're in one spot and you have your pool of like dating possibilities yeah. and friend possibilities and everybody you know people who share your interests are around you and then after that unless you are a religious fanatic so you can go to the house of religious fanaticism and meet people who like that kind of thing then it's your job if you have a job that you know introduces you to people who are legal to but you're a musician. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you're you're a musician, right? So I'm I'm surprised. Was that like a social thing for you? Did you also have? I assume you have friends uh, who are musicians as well. That was an interesting way to meet people. No. Yes, uh, I would say pretty much all of my friends are musicians. But at the same time, it's like okay. So my best friend from college. A musician and we're, we have a band together and we see each other when we have band business yeah and i don't know if that's normal or if that's just like new york living like everything is just going on and like i mean i i literally lived on the upper west side of, well we lived in the same building i moved in and um and hopefully you won't listen to this well he already knows the story i think i made this toast at his wedding and I don't think his wife spoke to me for a year. You have a um, history of inappropriate wedding toasts. I, I told you that. I <laughs> yes. confessed that to you before I realized you have a photographic memory for anything. That, uh, but, but yeah, so I mean, I, I moved into his building, and then he went on this date, and then he never came back, pretty much. Like, he was gone for like two weeks. <laughs> Apparently the date went really well. Yeah. yeah. And then he moved literally a block away. And I still only saw him when we had gigs. Yeah. And then I moved to Queens, and it was like... Well, different city, right? Yeah, I, I, you know, could be in California, and I and I see him when we have gigs. Yeah, well, I think part of it is actually you have to. Uh, I'm not a big fan of like scheming for dates or like yeah. you know playing the game when it comes to dates. But when it, you actually, I feel like I do think about playing the game when it comes to friendships. Like I have to invent projects <laughs> to like be friends with people. This podcast is just to maintain our friendship. We I can hope just you know, be friends if you are. No, yeah. that's not how it works. <laughs> <laughs> All right, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoyed too. <laughs> it's, it's tough. You have to like. I feel like I. I'm, I'm like. Oh, how do I? How do I scheme to have this person like regularly? Like you know, hang out. Right? I'll regularly hang out with you though. <laughs> that is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is true. If you want, <laughs> but it is kind of like it's hard, right? And you have yeah. to like. There is it. There's a certain amount of energy that like it involves, and I think it, the. The energy you need to maintain, or even especially make new friends as you get older, it's a lot, and it's not an easy thing. And, yeah. Um, and I think it becomes more important, right? Like, because you don't necessarily we don't come from communities that like sustain us through our lives anymore. Like religious communities, like even ethnic communities break down. I think like we, yeah. the definition of like I I don't I mean my parents could live in the Indian community, uh, you know, and they could have like this group of people that they love hate but they have some commonality. It's just, it's not the same, I think, um, even if I were an immigrant now, right? So I think those kind of communities that sustain you throughout your life are, have just break down. We're, a, we're more of a, an individual society. So, like, you actually have to, like, muster this, like, inner social animal in order to, like, have a healthy, like... I also don't have a smartphone. I think that helps, too. You like, think that I, helps or hurts? It helps, because I've never had that period where I'm texting people and getting some sense of, like, it's just, like, uh, that, you know, you're getting a jolt of, like, communication from somebody, but it isn't really communication. It isn't really getting to know somebody or, like, uh, you're, 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 it's, like, mediated corporate communication. I, with I, like dis I, I, I disagree with you on that, but I think it's easy to be overwhelmed by a bunch of people coming yeah. at you at the same time. Like, it's, it's harder to prioritize, right? So, like, if you only have, like, to make a phone call, like, once a week or you don't have that much time then like yeah okay so in my world it would be like I call my family and then I have like two or three days uh, uh, nights on a given week that I can hang out with and so I would figure out that it's very it would be much clearer how I would prioritize as opposed to I have X number of texts and you know messages in this app and blah 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 and who do, how do I prioritize how do I not get back and there's like an ex expectation that you get back to everyone in 24 hours so yeah. like just maintaining that kind of saps your energy of like kind of the, the deeper 
uh, relationships and friendships, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. That's that's my take on it. I don't know. I haven't really thought this one out. But yeah, they write a lot of letters, like letters to people. You write a lot of letters, and you don't have a cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Just like You're such emails. an old soul. I don't know about that, but you're maybe. such a luddite. <laughs> Technology's coming to get you. You know this, right? It's well, just... you guys have to. You know, if you go down the breeding path, as I have, <laughs> unknowingly, <laughs> like then that's a whole other thing because you don't have time to do anything else. A yeah. No. And then B, all of a sudden, all of your social contact is like on the playground, and right. you're like, "Oh, you." That must be exhausting to you be. You had to. sex around the same time I did. I see. <laughs> I guess we're bonded in a deep and profound way. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um. And then I'm like, is that how my parents, like their whole social circle, must have grown off of the same like? Oh, look, they have. Were your parents taking you to the playground? I mean, mine definitely weren't. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't the playground, but I think it was like... I mean, I don't know where... Probably church had something to do with it. Probably, I mean, all all of the circle before my parents divorced, like, they all had kids roughly the same age, and, like, that was... That was the hang. That was the thing. Is that how life unfolds? I like, think I think our parents just loved us less than <laughs> they were just like you know. I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've done my duty to like propagate the race. Yeah, yeah, you're kind of good luck. Your own. It's a lot to do, you know. <laughs> Out there. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's a perfect transition yeah. to like talking about politics. We'll make this a short section. I think. Yeah, time. yeah, yeah. So, so there's the big news this week. That the headline is uh, is of course the. Uh, the Loss of Roy Moore. <laughs> do you think he's lost, or do you think he's just in his, he's going to go through a period of the wilderness where he rediscovers Jesus for the nth time and then re- runs for governor? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm hoping he he uh, he takes this opportunity at the recount to to do some shady criminal stuff, and oh, then they catch him on it, and then he just spends the rest of his life in prison. Really, you think <laughs> yeah. so? I mean, it, it seems like they're How giving him enough he rope. He's like in his seventies, right? He's not. Yeah. He's okay. Not, so he doesn't have much. Yeah. He's, he's much. What, he doesn't have much room to run. He's what twenty years older than his wife. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. All right. So. Well, it was interesting. You know, it was we, an interesting election. So yeah, j- just yeah, to recap, Roy yeah. Moore uh, managed to lose in the, one of the reddest states in America, the senatorial run yeah. by uh, what one point five percent. Yeah. Doug Jones, a Democrat, actually managed to win. Uh, I think there's a lot of like overheated analysis on what this actually means, and yeah. so obviously they need ours, right? <laughs> yeah, we need to add to this. this. We need to add analysis. To yeah, um, I will tell them the one anecdote is that I actually made money off of this. So yeah. thanks to your suggestion yeah, of the you're pre- welcome, you're welcome. <laughs> predicted market, like we, I actually bet on Doug Jones winning. Um, I saw that the betting markets had him at about 25 cents on the dollar to loot to win, and I was like, no, that's way too cheap. I gotta buy it, so I bought it, um, and then I and at some point I made my money and I was starting to profit because he was rising in the polls, and I was like, if I was smart about this, I would cash out now. But yeah. I was like, no, fuck them, <laughs> fuck the Republicans, fuck Roy Moore. I'm gonna hold on. I'm going for broke on this one, and I ended up making money. So that was that felt really, like it was like a moral victory in some weird, weird capitalist way. <laughs> it was not a moral victory, but it felt good. Yeah. Did you did you look at the comments as they were as you were? I didn't. I, I know you like to look at the comments, but I was just like, like the, it's a feverish pit of like <laughs> political, you know, like yeah. combat and intrigue. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, that's where the weaponized memes are from. from yeah. Uh, the Trump. All right, Trump. so so what do you think this? Do you think this means anything? So do you, or were you happy? Were you sad? In just like in the same way that I did not expect Trump to win, yeah, I totally expected Roy Moore to win. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. like that's the difference of a year. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah. You just, were you happy? Do you t- does this change your outlook at all? Yeah, like it actually like yeah. it. It kind of feels like maybe this whole year. Finally, something good is happening. Yeah, I mean, it's been a few elections, so we've been on a little bit of a Right, like the whole thing in Atlanta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like, I was, like, totally expecting... Like, that's when I was like, yes, this is going to happen. And then, like, it did not happen. Yeah, I mean, his approval rating is at, what, 32% now? Yeah, by one rule. I think it's, like, average is about 35. 35, 35, yeah, yeah, that was the last poll. I mean, clearly, like, you know... 
He's dragging the party down with him. Yeah, yeah, Well, yeah, yeah. I said this. I actually think that the Republican Party is going to have a hard time surviving the fact that Trump won. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, really it's worse really, for them. It yeah. seems like it's being worse for them. Yeah, so anyway, so the... But, okay, so, but this, is a, this is a string, I guess, of sort of bluish victories, yeah. right? Um, and I wonder if that actually colors our... Our analysis, or the way we kind of look at politics right now. Well, I think there's, I think the something that is a a, a real kind of big deal is people voted for Trump, right? Yeah. And there's a, there's a mystical thing that happens when you vote, where you identify with the person that you vote for. That's why primaries are so important. Yeah, gets people used to voting for this person, then you care about them, so you're gonna vote for them again, right? Yeah. Like you've identified with them, and. So people voted for Trump, and they have seen him in no way live up to their <laughs> promise or expectations of, of what he had said, or who he said he was. Well, I think there's a base, but it's, it's slowly whittling down as people yeah, become, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, disappointed. Well, I guess I just mean people who held their nose, who right. were just like, ah, you know, he's the Republican, like, I guess I hate Hillary Clinton, so I'm going to vote for Trump, right? And they've paid the price for that, and as far as morale goes, like... They've maybe had to argue with their liberal friends and, like, you know, they've seen the news. They're not, you know, and it it sucks. It sucks to be, like, a Trump supporter. Right? Yeah, and like, the big thing, I actually, once again, said this. Like, if they pass tax reform, it's a really, like, small peg to have yeah, your hat yeah, on, yeah, right? Yeah. Like, it's just not something that's populist, right. right? It's not populist enough. Like, it doesn't resound with the base. The base doesn't really care about, like... Uh, tax reform or you know, effective corporate tax rates or dividends or or you know making sure that they don't warehouse funds overseas like that's not something that it's in some ways it's not a trumpian move so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a hard thing to be if like that's your one victory that's <laughs> your one piece of real substantial legislation that net neutrality and jerusalem right? the and new capital yeah but uh, yeah, I think it goes doubly true for I, for Alabama, right? Because they voted for Roy Moore, right? You yeah. Know? So they had to hold their nose, like, and be like, "Oh, this is our guy," you know? Yeah. Like, well, all right, like the people that did, they, you know, they got up and that on election day, and yeah. you know, Trump was like, "Vote for Roy Moore," and they're like. <laughs> They voted for you too, and then they pulled the trigger on Roy Moore, and then he fucking lost. They must be just so, they must feel like you know utter like despair because you know yeah. it's it's it, it's morally toxic to have voted for him, and then if he loses too, you just you you feel like you got played on every level. I'm sure yeah. they're pissed at Trump, and I'm sure they're pissed at Roy Moore, and I'm sure they're. Uh, you know, in a real bad place. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that that's going to be really good for the Democrats of Alabama going forward. You, do you think this is, do you think it's good for the Democrats of Alabama or do you think this is just a flash in the pan, right? This is like a momentary thing based on a terrible, terrible candidate. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, we're, it, it's been trending this way for, I mean, you know, Alabama is 20 points GOP yeah. territory, but that that's not what happened in this last election. I think I think Georgia and Texas are, are far more likely to be peeled away forever. You know, those are the states that will eventually be blue, I think, and I, I think Alabama will correct, of course. Yeah. But I'm, I, what I mean is, for literally, for the Democrats of Alabama, oh, okay. it feels great, right? Like, yeah. you, this may be the one time you ever get a victory, right? Well, I was going to say it's actually an amazing day for, like, black Alabamians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, they were the reason this happened. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's, like, with all of the other things out there, like, they carried this. Like, this is their victory. Mm -hmm. And it's, that is the big fuck you. Yeah, I mean, if you're Donald like, Trump, you think the most important, per, you know, the most famous person to come out of Alabama is Roy Moore, because the only time you've ever paid attention to Alabama is this year, right? But the most famous person to ever come out of Alabama is MLK, yeah, right? Yeah, Martin Luther King. Yeah, right? I mean, that's the state that invented civil rights right. agitation and, like, organization, right? Like, and so to me, it's no surprise that there is this massive voter turnout, you know, and, like... I think uh, it's surprising. I mean, it's great, but I, I also, one of the things is that the idea that you win such a going in that you wouldn't guess like an unlikely victory, yeah. right? I think that I think you also have a tendency to overestimate all the other victories that you possibly could win, right? You're like, I, I totally agree. I believe momentum yeah. builds yeah, momentum yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure, mm -hmm. but I also think that this is anomalous, right? So Absolutely. this is yeah. this sort of we've sort of defined how far the Republican Trump aesthetic yeah. agenda can go, right? And there's clearly a stopping point. Yeah. Like we can't we can't go very much Trumpier than Trump, right? Yeah. 
because it gets you start to go into like this moral gray area of a man who's already unethical and if you want to be even more Trumpy and you're going to get more unethical and skeevy yeah. and this is just the line that apparently even a state like Alabama won't cross so uh, it's an interesting it's just an interesting interesting to, um, uh, election but I, I, I wonder if we're we may over emphasize what we just learned right like I think I think there's two more things to take away from it though one is that this absolutely wouldn't have happened if Al Franken had not resigned. Like, I think that was that percentage was, oh. like, exactly the percentage that they needed to get to, to, like, make that moral case. Interesting, right? yeah. I, I think I think that we can now argument. say... I don't know if I agree 100%, but that's an argument. I yeah. think we can now say that was a really good tactical decision for the Democrats. Yeah, and they had out. a lot of messaging discipline. I, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, there's a lot of, like, on social media, you're seeing a lot of people, like, defending Al Franken and, you know, trying to... You know, talk about how we needed him in there, but I think we can see like that this actually had a result. Like, there's something we got something for it. You yeah, know? it wasn't totally a loss that the this dirtbag Al Franken was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> forced out of the Senate. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I uh, so my my favorite question I always to ask is that is to ask you if you are running the DNC strategy, yeah. what do you do now? And if you're running the RNC strategy, what do you do now? Does this election change anything? Well, if you're running the DNC strategy, right, I'm sure you're you're up against the the fight is right now. Do we spend money on Texas and Georgia, right? Yeah. Like, and I think the answer and that is like absolutely, like yeah, spend a lot of money on Texas and Georgia, like in this next election, right? Like, yeah. And spend less money on like, you know, Pennsylvania and yeah. you know what I mean? Like, you yeah. have a chance to that the the you have a chance to peel things away. You are a Texan. I always well, feel like your bias, your analysis, is a little biased on that. I, I don't think so. I think <laughs> I think Texas could go blue this I, midterm. I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong. This I don't Senate, think eventually, but maybe not. I yeah, think I, I mean I think Ted Cruz is as terrible of a candidate as maybe not Roy Moore, but certainly Donald Trump. Like, and I think he's as vulnerable in Texas if things go right. I mean, if they run a good campaign against him. Right? Interesting. All right. Uh, and you know, I, I think Nevada and. Arizona are definitely on the table. I think the Senate is in play right now, right? Yeah. Maybe that wasn't the calculus before this, but I think there's no question, right? Like that, uh, yeah. done correctly, the dominoes could fall and then the Democrats take the Senate. Uh, I think the other takeaway from the Roy, Roy, sorry to go on, but I think no, I've been no, no. thinking about it all week. I think the other takeaway from the Roy Moore election is that we can see clearly now that social media really has an effect, right? People fought harder against Roy Moore than they did against Donald Trump, right? Yeah. Like, I remember yeah. that last month up into the election. What people cared about was the Dakota Pipeline, right? Yeah. That's what everybody on the left was, like, talking about, kind of as a morally, like, to signify that they were better than the election, right? Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm just going to let the election play out, but I'm really going to care about the Dakota Pipeline, right? Like, as this election is taking place, right? Yeah. But this time, people, like, were online, right? They were, like, fighting, like, in the trenches, like, day after day for fucking Doug Jones. Like, who no, who'd never... Who is Doug Jones? Yeah, they'd never even heard him speak, you know? Like, no one even knows what Doug Jones sounded like till his, like, victory speech, right? <laughs> but, yeah, but, I mean, it has an effect. It matters. It, like, changes the... Calc and, you know, like, getting out there and, like, fighting. And it, they... I mean, the right knew it. They did it the entire of 20... Entire I, actually, and also, I also think that the, the center right really really struggle with itself like i yeah. follow a bunch of people on twitter and they're almost to a person they're like i can't do this i'm yeah. out yeah i'm, I'm not, not I'm gonna not. be yeah, yeah yeah i can't do i can't back roy moore yeah yeah so it's interesting like i mean he's such a terrible again i think he's such a terrible candidate i wonder he's he's the outer limit of what we can we can expect from trump in this age right yeah for the trump aesthetic but yeah i don't know here's back to our debate though earlier it was you know, do you think that Strange would have won as a writing candidate? Oh no, <laughs> no, no, no! I think writing candidates are really, really, really hard. You have to have maybe Strange is one of yeah, I guess because who won as a writing candidate? It's just very, very rare. Yeah, Murkowski did. Murkowski won, right? Right? Yeah. Um, do you think the Republican Party would be in better shape right now, less demoralized? have better, I guess, like, tactical and strategic ability to move coming into 2018 if Trump had 
gone and had gone against Roy Moore instead of supported him. If he had uh, come out heavy against him, do you think this is mayor on Trump? Oh, this is a uh, this is a good question. I want to instinctively say maybe I want to say no actually because I think it wasn't necessarily Trump that supported Roy Moore as much as like a very particular primary culture around conservative Alabama Republicans that put put Roy Moore where he is right. Yeah. So I think but he did come out in the last month that he was you know advocating for him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever. He didn't, he didn't tell him to get out of the race. Right. Yeah. Whatever Trump touches dies. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, maybe if, if Trump had advocated for Roy Moore in the beginning, yeah. right, as opposed to Luther Strange and Luther Strange would have won, is yeah, that what you're yeah, arguing? Yeah. And then Luther Strange would have won. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think... I mean, I, I, I Either think, way. I think now... Trump backs the Republican... Well, I think now you're going into 2018 with Trump... Uh, gun shy about supporting people, right? He doesn't necessarily. Yeah, I wonder how he takes this. I yeah. wonder how how much worse he becomes because he lost, and he just doesn't deal with loss and the implied criticism very well. Yeah. yeah. What do you think about the tax bill's chances as uh, a result of Roy Moore? Oh, I think it'll be way more watered down, but they'll pass it because, yeah. like, now every senator it gets to like be like, oh, I'm walking away from this. Marco Rubio gets to be like, I get my pet project, and every yeah. single senator's like, hey, Marco did it. He's I'm going to, I'm going to, all of a sudden, it, the calculus changes if you have a buffer of two versus a buffer of one. Well, but McCain's in the hospital, too, so now all of a sudden it's yes. like, it's 50-50. Yeah. So who's going to vote in his stead, no one? I don't know, I mean. Uh, he might walk out of the hospital again might, to vote. Yeah, he might die. Well, he could also mm. do the thing that he did <laughs> last time. Which is walk vote it down. But right. Yeah. So this is the thing. I think McCain and is... And if he were to do that on his deathbed... Yeah. He's not going to. I don't... McCain is a solid Republican. This is a solid Republican bill. This is not... This is not health care. I don't think he... I don't think he... He almost literally dies upon a small hill on this one. Like, I think... This is a Republican bill, but I think mm. it's just going to be so packed full of, like, gimmies to, like, every single senator. It's like... Now that I think about it, doesn't Alaska need another bridge? Yeah. <laughs> You're right. If I, were, if I were him, I would strategically I die. Yeah. <laughs> strategically die? Yeah, like strategically time. die before the vote. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so if he doesn't make... If he can't vote, then, yeah. I, I, I just think that the Republicans are going to push this through because if not, they're no longer going to get paid. It's a donor-class bill. It is so... They'll figure out a way, but it is going to get way, way more porky. Well, but at this point, the House is looking at what just happened, and they're like, if I'm in a purple district and this vote passes, like... Yeah, it's also a really unpopular bill. I think you're right. I'm a little more cynical than you are, but I think you're right. I think it just... I still think it passes, though. Yeah. It may... Yeah. The the, the odds are short, but it's bad. It still passes. Well, anything else? Nah, no, no. Okay. Well, I think this is it for episode 31. Yeah. Um, Thank you guys for hosting us, and thank you, William, for being a sound engineer, and thank you for contributing your voices. We will miss you guys in Jackson Heights, even though we just got to know you. (laughs) You're one of the very few friends I made over 40, so just keep that in mind. It's going to be hard, man. It's going to be hard. Um, But yeah, thanks. Thanks, you guys. Uh, And thanks to Kevin Carter for our outro music. Thank Yay. you so much. Yeah. That was cool.